The college baseball experience on the Sports Gambling Podcast Network is presented by WinBet. WinBet is now live in Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia. From boosted same-game parlays to live in-game odds, WinBet has what you need to win. Sign up today, win $100, and get $100 at sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash winbet. State restrictions apply. We're also brought to you by NASCAR Gambling Podcast. Start your engines with Rod and Cody and get your get ready to gamble on Daytona 500 this Sunday. All right, already, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the College Baseball Experience, and it's the first one of 2023. As you can see, I'm a little bit rusty. I already jacked up the intro and the ads, but um, if you're wondering who you're listening to, my name is Noah Beanick, aka 77 on Twitter, and I have a whole new clan with me this year on the College Baseball Experience, the Spitting Seeds 24/7 Clan. Um, let's start with Beave. Introduce yourself to the people and just let them know like what kind of uh, your messages and what have you been doing um, in the college baseball realm uh, pretty much your whole yeah. time here. So, hey, what's up? Uh, I'm Beave. Uh, I guess you can call me the the leader of us ragtag crew of spitting seeds, guys. Uh, debatable. <laughs> debatable. Hey, you wouldn't be here without me, son. Remember that. <laughs> I own you. No, we're uh, just three dads connected that that really love college baseball, saw an opportunity to be able to help grow the game um, while also being able to enjoy some stuff, being able to see what's been able to happen the last couple of years, especially with Major League Baseball when they went on hiatus. College baseball really blossomed, was a great opportunity for all of us. So us, man, it's all about sunflower seeds, all about college baseball, all about growing the game and sneaking a few uh, – few bets in and win some money while i can you know how it goes love it love it and we'll go to your fellow in orange uh fellow friend there and phlegm phlegm introduce yourself to the people man yeah i'm andrew fleming i reside in uh, knoxville tennessee with the rest of the crew and uh, we're just here to enjoy a good time uh watching college baseball specifically kind of the southeast uh, not exclusively the sec but uh, the southeast in general and beard uh, you're a little bit different than the two. You're repping uh, some purple and gold. Uh, tell us about yourself. Hey, what's going on? Uh, Matt Beard. I'm from Knoxville, Tennessee, but uh, dad is from Texas. So had an opportunity to kind of pick who I wanted and LSU was the team. And it's always been that way. And it started out with baseball, you know, moved to the other sports as well, but uh, kind of college baseball. And here we are. And this is, this is what it's all about. We're two days away. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and see, you got to cheat. You got to start with a really good college baseball team. We had to earn ours. That's <laughs> true. Still uh, it. Houston fan <laughs> literally is a cheater. So I just want to throw that out there. Like hey, well, with everything that's coming out lately, uh it turns out that there's more than just Houston. Oh cheating, so. interesting. Thank you. Thank <laughs> you've you. You've only been screaming welcome. that for four or five years. Yeah, it only counts <laughs> if you get caught, Matt. You guys were dumb enough to get caught. Sorry, that's why we won it again. <laughs> that is true. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this is the SEC preview. That's why a lot of people jumped on and clicked on. Um, we're going to be talking a lot of gambling odds throughout. Um, if these guys don't have it prepped, uh, I will just mention it after. We're going to preview each team. We're even going to go over some of the scheduling. Um, 
And we right now are viewing SEC outright odds. And from the specific wording of it, I think it's the first year that we've ever seen conference outrights. I think that it's conference tournament uh, personally, because it says postseason tournament included. So I think it's SEC tournament odds. Yeah. Then we're going to go look at uh, the Omaha odds. So it's to appear in the Omaha eight and then the college world series championship odds as well. So we'll be listening to all three of those for each of these teams. Um, and I, I guess without further ado, let's jump into this. And it starts off with beards, tigers down there in Baton Rouge. Uh, tell us about the number one overall team in the country. So there's, you know, number one, it, it comes with a lot of pressure. Um, it, it obviously is easy for everybody to say number one for what they have um, and the transfer portal obviously being number one in that the recruiting class being number one um, what you have with Dylan Cruz uh, Trey Morgan who is not being talked talked about enough which is wild because if he were to start the season with a 12 13 game hitting streak no one would think that it wouldn't be possible for Trey Morgan but He's kind of getting forgotten, obviously, because of Tommy White, Paul Skeens, these guys that transferred in for LSU, and Dylan Cruz. Obviously, everybody's, you know, possibly number one or number two pick, depending on who's picking and, and who needs what. But he's – him and Dylan Cruz are creeping up on the all-time hit record if they were to stay all four years, which was set reset by him playing just not too long ago. So a guy that can do that at the plate, but what he does at first base is – it's unbelievable, uh, you know, Flim considers most of his plays routine. He's, he's um, routine. Mr. Routine. He's Mr. Routine, that's right. I mean, but that that's that's the one player that I think is important, which is wild because he's everybody knows who he is. Another guy I'm looking at is Jordan Thompson at shortstop. LSU's biggest problem last year was defense. Um, they were absolutely atrocious. And for how bad they were defensively, they still had some success that they probably didn't deserve. Um, so if they can improve that, especially up the middle with Jordan Thompson, if that can be improved, the sky's the limit for this team because the talent is just otherworldly. Unfortunately, they took a hit losing Grant Taylor, a pitcher. Um, that's a huge blow, but because of the transfer portal, uh, it was good to him with Christian Little, Thatcher Hurd. Um, we've already mentioned Paul Skeen. So the opportunity is there for this team. They have what I consider probably two tough stretches. Um, they've got Texas, a one-game Texas, you know, at Texas, that'll be fun. Everybody will be watching, paying attention. Um, then you go Texas A&M, Arkansas, UT, USC, South Carolina for all those West Coasters out there. Um, and then kind of dive right back into it, and you go to Louisiana Lafayette, Ole Miss, Bama, Auburn, Mississippi State, Georgia. The back half of that season, depending on how those guys do to start the season, could really change how – the first part of that season goes for LSU because the first part, AM, Arkansas, Tennessee, I mean, we're going to find out real quick what number one means for them. So um, defense is the biggest thing for, for LSU this year because the offense is there. They've got the talent. Go out and put it together and do it. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And leading it off with Trey Morgan was, um, you know, he was so great in their regional run uh, two years ago in Maneri's last year. And he's just, like you mentioned, kind of forgotten about in this team. Um, for me, on on paper, 
LSU doesn't have any like blaring weaknesses, and that's why they're the number one team in the country. If there were question marks, if you were to poke, want to purposely poke some holes into this team, I think you can do it starting with the starting rotation and their lack of SEC experience. But Absolutely. really, it's that, and then hopefully they've improved in the defense. You know, they get you add Tommy White in replacement of Jacob Berry. You don't really add any uh, increase of better defense. It's really kind of just the same. Um, but like you mentioned, at shortstop, they should be better, a little bit better over there. Um, any anything else on LSU from the Volunteers' point of view? I mean, so. We're all familiar with the family. I mean, you got the first family of, of Division One baseball and the Taylor family. I mean, the brothers being at UAB, Arkansas, and Grant over at LSU. Uh, I mean, the loss of him, I mean, has to be just absolutely tremendous, right? I mean, this is a guy that that most sources are saying was by far and away the best pitcher on that staff in the fall. Uh, I mean, Matt, obviously you're way closer to the situation here. Um, and, you know, we stayed in touch, at least with the family during the course of last season. So, I mean, it's definitely a big hit to all of us, even as as Tennessee fans. I mean, you definitely want to see number one at their best. But really, how are you going to be able to cover up something like that? Uh, the offense. I mean, the offense. <laughs> and then we know we know that because we saw it last year with the guys that they had in the pen because. Uh, Thank God we we're saw, not going to do that this year. But they saw would throw it last seven, year. eight, nine guys out of the pen in a game. So the arms are there. It's just who's going to now eat up more innings in a longer amount of time instead of, all right, you go get seven, you go get eight, you go get nine. I yeah. need you to go get six, seven, eight. I would call you a little crazy, like just handicap in baseball in general, when you say like the offense is going to cover up for the pitching. But we saw it last year in college baseball with Texas A&M. They really didn't have great pitching. Uh, they had polish in the back end, but after that, like they had Detmer at the top, but they got there in, into Omaha with hitting. I'll talk about them in a little bit, um, but you, you also, know it is possible. You also saw the opposite. You saw Tennessee, who was mashing the ball over the field, and then yep. a good pitching Notre Dame team came in and took the series from them in the Supers. Right. Yeah. Which I think Tennessee's got the three-headed monster. I think they match up well with LSU this year. Tennessee's wild. Question marks on, you know, through one through nine, because there's no, you know, established SEC mm-hmm. talent there, except for a couple guys. Why well, I ranked Tennessee one ahead of LSU because of the pitching staff. Good. No, pitching you just did hitting. it because of the curse. Don't even lie. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's that's an interesting point of view. Like, because everybody listening uh, might might think that Beard actually thought that or ranked LSU number one for us. We took all of our rankings and we made a composite. Um, three of us had LSU number one. Beard had Tennessee number one. Um, prior uh, prior to getting into Tennessee at number two, um, anything else that stems from you guys ranking each other's teams number one over your own? It's it's all the curse, curse. man. It's all curse. the curse. curse. Nobody yeah. wants to remember. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we refuse. We refuse. I think Tennessee has more question marks than LSU does, just uh, from a position standpoint. Um, but as far as like a pitching rotation, if those guys can stay healthy, even the back end of the bullpen will be solid in a, in a three game series. Yeah. Yeah, I, my biggest solid. question with LSU, and I can definitely understand why, especially now with the loss of Grant Taylor, um, that's the only thing that would give some kind of hesitation in my mind. You have so many guys that. Uh, 
you know, Noah, like you made the point, just aren't battle tested in the SEC. Uh, I mean, when you're looking at depth and you lose a guy of that caliber, what's that going to do? I mean, are you risking potential injury, pushing guys to, to go longer innings where teams like, you know, for instance, Tennessee, I know that's such an easy one to go after, but you have the wizard and, and Frank Anderson for the pitching coaches is able to pretty much do whatever he want and throw bodies at a situation and not have much of a drop off. I mean, I just don't see something like that being able to happen for LSU this year. And like it has been, unfortunately, in years past due to injury. Yep. I, I agree with you there and shout out Flem for bringing up the uh, super regional bounce. Uh, I was all over Notre Dame there and shout out to the listeners that tell me on that one. I don't know if you guys saw me last year on the, on the timeline, just touting away at that one, but I was, I was kind of, that was the biggest hit and I'm still kind of living off that with the baseball gambling. So I went sure. game, game by game with Notre Dame and their pitching staff was stellar and they had, they had some hot, hot bats. And that's kind of like how I'm going to handicap most of this year's season as well. It's like pitching. I value more than hitting and on any given day, a, a stud pitcher or even a pitcher with his best stuff can shut down one of the best lineups. Yep. Absolutely. So, so Flem, I gave you the uh, the lead on Tennessee. Let's jump into the number two team in the SEC for us, the Tennessee Volunteers. You and Beav can kind of do a, a dribble handoff type thing here. With uh, so obviously Tennessee, Tennessee's pitching, um, that's what they're going to be known for this year. They start off with the two headed monster with the two uh, first team All Americans, uh, Chase Dolander and, and uh, Chase Burns. Um, you know, Dolander is going to be probably a top five pick in this uh, upcoming draft. Um, you know, he's a mid to upper nineties, uh, fastball and he's got great second and third secondary and third er, pitches. Um, he's just unbelievable. He's got control. He doesn't walk a lot of guys. Uh, he's just everything you want to see in a college pitcher, which is what, you know, most of these scouts are just screaming about. They just want to, I mean, he's he's very, very, very polished. Um, Chase Burns is probably going to be your Saturday guy. I, I'm not sure how Tony's going to um, work these guys Friday, Saturday, Sunday. I do believe Bill Anders starting Friday against Arizona. Uh, so I'll probably put Chase Burns up on Saturday. He's a top prospect coming out of uh, Gallatin, Tennessee. Again, he's a mid to upper 90s fastball. Uh, not as good a control as uh is gonna have, but he's gonna he's gonna fill the zone up uh, pretty heavily. And then you got Chase Burns, another middle Tennessee or a uh, Drew Beam, excuse me, another middle Tennessee kid. Um again, he's gonna be a little bit more your mid nineties, um a little bit more control. He struggled a bit last year with his control um in the back half. I think he wasn't used to pitching as much um coming out of uh high school. So I think his arm got a little bit tired. And, uh, you know, he's still, you know, freshman All-American last year. I, I would say Tidwell stepped in, too, and they kind of piggybacked. And they did. Starter as well. Um, but it's, Tennessee is literally replacing their whole entire starting lineup. Drew Gilbert, Trey Lipscomb, Seth Stevenson, Jarrell Otega, Luke Lipsius, Jordan Beck, Evan Russell, Cortland Lawson, all gone to the draft. Says a lot about Tony and the talent he's bringing in to Knoxville. Um, you've also had Logan Steenstra, who was a Kansas City kid, who was kind of a utility player. Um, he stepped away from uh, baseball this year. Uh, so he's no longer with uh, the Tennessee. Um, they're looking to fill fill the whole entire roster. Really, the the biggest guys that are coming back are uh, Jared Dickey, 
I got some time behind the plate last year. Um, also played a little bit of left field. Probably going to see him in left field this year um, to start out. Um, then you got uh, Kyle Booker, probably looking to um, break out. He's going to be my uh, breakout player for Tennessee this year. I uh, pegged him last year as my breakout player, but got a little thumb injury, kind of set him back a little bit. And then obviously given the uh, offensive stats, you know, it's tough to get playing time in the, that roster last year. Um, let's see. You got Zane Denton, the uh, transfer from Alabama, the former All-American. Avoiding by- Blake Burke like the plague. Just say his name. Just I'm say getting, his name. I'm getting there. Zane, Zane, Zane <laughs> you got a uh, Maui Ahunas from Kansas. You got two transfers coming in to fill the left side of the infield. Uh, Christian Moore, the kid from uh, New York, um, had stellar offensive numbers last year. Let me see if I can find these for you. Uh, Christian Moore play with eight players. Hit 305 uh, with uh, 10 homers. And then uh, you got little, little King Griffey Jr. sitting at first base, Blake Burke. Um, freshman All-American, hit 326, uh, 14 home runs. Um, the impressive part is he only had 95 at-bats. Uh, yeah. So he's got some stellar power. And if you've ever seen him hit a baseball, he has the smoothest swing I've seen since Griffey Jr. It is uh, – There will be a lot made about the short porch and mm-hmm. right – or uh, the Vols with him being a lefty, but it don't matter. He Parking lot power. It's going 400 feet. Parking lot I mean, it, it's insane. Yeah. Yeah, uh, big time power. Then you're going to have uh, probably, I would assume, Griffin Merritt, the uh, Cincinnati transfer, um, former conference player of the year, probably Phil um, right field, strong <laughs> arm. Um, and then uh, behind the plate, it's – Probably going to be by platoon. Um, Charlie Taylor, Ryan Miller, and Cal Stark will probably fill that void. Uh, Charlie's kind of been around the program for a couple of years. Um, really struggled behind the plate last year. Um, had a good summer. Um, has had a good spring so far. The crowd likes him. Team likes him. Uh, you probably see him kind of uh, filling that battery up for Tennessee most of the time. Um, but you're also going to have, um, you know, Christian Scott, he's a he's a fifth or sixth year player, uh, kind of a good utility guy. He's very good defensively, very good contact hitter. Um, got good wheels on the base. He's going to see quite a bit of playing time. Uh, probably going to see Cabarius Tears as the Tennessee DH, big strong uh, redshirt freshman. Kind of fits right into that Tony uh, Vitello philosophy, just playing gorilla ball. Um, and you got uh, Logan Chambers, kid from Arkansas. He's uh, was a big time JUCO prospect. Came out of uh, I think Bryant, Arkansas. He caused a famous stink, didn't he? Yeah. So <laughs> he's the kid that the Tony and um, Van Horn chest bumped about, or you know, got their little argument. Uh, the famous clip. So they were arguing about you know his his recruitment, um, and he picked Tennessee over Arkansas. <clears throat> um, you know. Hit 400 in Juco ball, didn't get much playing time last year. He's looking to kind of make a name for himself this year. Um, Then you're going to have Dylan Dryling, a freshman from Hayes, Kansas. Uh, Been watching their practices a little bit. He's been starting out in left field on occasions. Big kid. Um, Has been playing in a college summer league since uh, he was probably about a freshman in high school. So they kind of knew what he was going to get. He's been playing against college competition pretty much his whole entire life. Um, so that kind of rounds out what you're probably going to see most offensively. 
Also bring back uh, the best stash in college baseball, Kirby Canal, the lefty, a little crafty. He's not going to overpower you, overpower you with a fastball, but he's uh, he's got a nasty little little curve. Um, you got the Gator Killer Camden Sewell, six four righty, a little bit more of a three quarter um, <coughs> baller. Uh, just absolutely owns the University of Florida. So looking forward to that. And then uh, uh, Halverson, kid from uh, Missouri, transferred in, was the kind of the ace of the Friday night guy for Missouri a couple of years ago. Uh, went down with, I believe, Tommy John last year. Missed the whole entire season. He's back. Um, he's a mid to upper 90s guy when he's healthy. So looking forward to see him. And then you got Zach Joyce. Brother Ben Joyce, Mr. 104. Zach is uh, coming off of um, sitting out a year. He stepped away from baseball. I think he saw what Ben was having, how much fun he was having, and decided to jump back into, uh, into the team. Tony let him on the team. He's uh, he's another mid to upper 90s guy. Um, Tennessee's got some arms on this team. And then a freshman to watch is uh, Hunter Sloop. He's a big 6'7 kid. He's going to be a mid to upper 90s. Um, I'm interested to see how much playing time he gets um, on the dish for Tennessee this year. So I kind of just some big highlights. Um, kind of what they do offensively is going to determine how well they do this year. Was the yeah. pitching be there? Yeah, for sure. Uh, so Flem kind of ran through the whole roster for us. We appreciate that. You know, they lost a lot of pieces, so we'll give them that. We had, we had to get a lot of the roundup from the hitters on that standpoint. B, do you have anything that Flem left out, or you want to jump into the schedule and give us some analysis on that? Man, I, I, I think you pretty well covered. I, I think everybody's <laughs> so <laughs> hearing about Tennessee right now. You know what I mean? Now, I mean, it's it's a great team. Uh, Tony's done quite a bit. I mean, with the coaching that's in place, it's it's quite possibly the greatest starting rotation ever assembled for college baseball. Yeah. I mean, you have three guys that are projected to be top 10 picks in their respective drafts. I mean, uh, it, Matt's it, it, <laughs> I can't wait to laugh. Olander just make Cruz look like a fool. Wow. Oh, I'm 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 not worried about it because Vitello will start him on day two or something and screw the whole rotation up like he did against Notre Dame. So that was a little that's cold, man. That wound is still fresh. <laughs> I I said it when it happened. It was the it was the worst mistake they made. You remember that one time? It's all right. the The Brian issue Lee. here is remember you're attending the baseball game with me. What happened the last time you went to the games with me? Is that is that one L two L? Three L, four L, five L's in one season. Matt hasn't seen LSU beat Tennessee since we've known each other. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> and then oh, he's Leave. Tell us about Kentucky or something. <laughs> so, I mean, running through this schedule, I I loaded it up. It's hard to see. Uh, on YouTube, we're on YouTube. Uh, the college experience on YouTube, you can view it. Um, is there any potholes possible for Tennessee this year, guys? I mean, in the SEC, there's always the opportunity, right? You're running through a gauntlet. Let's be honest. If everybody thinks that that you're going to be able to sweep everybody like what Tennessee was doing last year, you got another thing coming. I mean, baseball is hard. I mean, <laughs> there's just no way that you can expect sweeps like that again. I mean, playing yeah. LSU on the road, I mean, it. If you come away taking that series, you got to be feeling really, really darn good about yourself. I mean, 
you know, in even some off teams, like uh, a, a small game against Tennessee Tech, even though that they're going to be in, you know, midweek game. Uh, I mean, Tennessee Tech has proved time in, time out that they're going to be a tough out for anybody. I mean, look at the amount of transfers they have to going other SEC teams. I mean, it's basically just a, a farm system for for bigger guys, there's always big bats coming through there. Um, I mean, baseball in Tennessee is something that's always drastically underrated, whether it goes from Juco all the way up. I mean, teams like directional team, like ETSU has produced some big time guys and some unanimous all Americans as pitchers and hitters. You got Walter state, Juco, Dyersburg. I mean, all kinds of baseball in this area. Austin Austin P. Austin P. He's had more draft picks than Tennessee had for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's there. There's a lot that is misunderstood about the t- state of Tennessee when it comes to baseball. But I mean, potholes. Yeah, once again, A and M, Arkansas. I mean, all of those are going to be tough outs, no matter what you do. Yeah, and I think a sneaky sleeper at the end of the season comes at South Carolina. Their pitching is really good. Uh, we'll yes. talk about them in a little bit. Um, if I was Colby, I would be tearing the schedule to shreds because you do not play one road game outside of the sec so uh, it's somewhat of a common theme um in baseball especially in the sec but uh that's just kind of like the knock on the scheduling here but great job by vitello to get almost every game at home here and how about the mlb4 i mean come on i can't get a michigan game against either tennessee or arizona I'm, i'm a little mad about that well uh if you guys are interested we'll be talking about some of those friday and weekend games in another podcast here coming up we'll be recording that either thursday night or friday morning um so just stay tuned with us uh any anything else on tennessee guys beard you had your hand up there for a sec uh no i was gonna say the 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 whole i was argue a little bit about the schools when you don't go out of the state to play away games Mm -hmm. unless it's conference uh, the biggest thing I think right now that's helping with that is you get local schools. Cause I use LSU as an example, cause they've been one of the few schools that's always been on TV. They allow teams like Southeastern Louisiana, South uh, Louisiana Lafayette to be on TV. And I think Tennessee does as well. It's allowing those teams to who wouldn't normally be on TV or play outside the state to be on TV. So I think it's huge. I do wish they did play some out of conference games away that were bigger. I get that, but, those those non-conference games at home are are big for those schools that come in and visit. So it's a lot easier to say when their teams don't play in the SEC, where you have seven of the top ten teams. Too, I mean, you know, you're going to end up spending <laughs> less when every single week in and out could be like a potential college game day experience. I mean. It, it, it just is what it is. And, I mean, when you're playing in warmer weather, too, all these northern teams, they don't play at home until the end of April, so they got to travel down and go somewhere. Yeah, you're not wrong. Uh, the only thing is, like, there is ESPN Plus now, and it's getting way better than what it, it was. Is. It uh, is. It's still fuck flow sports, but we're, we're getting better with it. We're getting better. So uh, Anything but flow sports, man. <laughs> yeah, for real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Flem, any closing words on the, on the schedule or anything else? Oh, just what expectations say, we have on Tennessee? Yeah, I was just going to say it's cool for those kids who grew up in Tennessee um, who didn't get recruited by Tennessee to play, to get to get a chance to play inside Lindsey Nelson and kind of play, you know, their their childhood team. Uh, but expectations wise, I expect them to win the East, um, compete for the SEC uh, title overall. They have a tough little stretch there. Um, but you know, sky's the limit for Vitale and the boys. 
Yeah. So as of right now, currently, it depends on where you're looking. Uh, shop the SEC conference lines because as I'm currently looking, Tennessee is not the favorite on this book. They're plus 400 to win the SEC tournament, LSU plus 225. But in some places, after the Grant Taylor injury, they changed it to Tennessee being the favorite in the SEC uh, Omaha appearance and national title. But right now I'm currently looking at best odds for Tennessee, plus 400 to win the SEC. LSU is plus 225. And then best odds for Tennessee to win or to go to Omaha is plus 125. LSU minus 125, just kind of comparing both these uh, two one and two teams. And then LSU plus 450 to win it all. Tennessee plus 700. Again, shop that around because it has changed in the past two days yeah. with the Grant Taylor. I mean, news. talk about just terrible value though, right? Like, yeah. I mean, minus 125 and plus 125 for Omaha. That's like an insult to the game to have lines that low. <laughs> it, it's you, you. So my whole philosophy on it is really, I don't like tying a ton of money down early on in the season and having to wait four or five months to get it back possibly, or I just know that I lose it. The other thing is injuries. So I don't like to jump on like a preseason favorite that, you know, quite possibly could lose another top starter. I mean, I'm not going to speak any injury into existence, but LSU's already lost one. If they lose another one, they already kind of lack a little bit of SEC experience. That's just an example. Um, and then the other one, is a lot of these prices aren't even going to really change once we get a bracket in front of us and we can actually kind of handicap the matchups that they're going to have. Um, the prices are pretty much going to stay the same. If you're seeing a minus 125 for LSE right now, I, I really don't know if it could get any worse than minus 225 when they get the bracket and there's a couple of mid-majors in their regional and then the super regional, the 16 seeds, maybe not strong. Roll over the money lines in the tournament to get him in the overall. that's that's my suggestion and what i choose to go with over laying something that's juiced uh let's jump into the number three team that we have ranked in the uh you know uh tce preseason sec rankings we have texas a&m there guys um kind of let's let's jump into texas a&m um beard you have that team previewed let's hear about some of the aggies this year so the the big question is can they get back to omaha um, you know, Schlossnagel comes in year one and, and I told these guys all year last year, especially cause we, we had them early on in the season to start the season. They were the most pesky, annoying team to deal with. And I expect them to be just like that again, because I don't think they're going to be as good. I think they might be a little overrated. Um, in my opinion, they've got two tough stretches in their schedule. You know, you got LSU, uh, Tennessee, Texas, Ole Miss, Texas State, Auburn, and then you get Missouri and then Kentucky, and then it goes right into Arkansas, Florida, Bama, Mississippi State. So they've got some real tough stretches. They avoid Georgia, South Carolina, and Vandy, so really not too much that they avoided there. They really got most of the meat of the schedule, and being in the West, that's, that's just how it's going to be. Um, you know, navigating the SEC West with what is around them, is going to be is going to be tough. <clears throat> um, you know they may regress slightly with with run production because they produced 474 last year. That's a lot of runs that you got to get back somehow. And the talent around you at every other school got better, so um, that's a big thing. You know you got your big three guys is that they didn't really 
know if they were coming back based on the draft was Trevor Warner, Austin Boast, and Ryan Targok. Um, big thing for Trevor Warner is, is staying healthy. Is staying healthy. It's the biggest biggest question mark for him is, is staying healthy. Um, Jag Moss, it's his second year at A&M. He transferred in from Arizona State, and he's a preseason All-SEC first team. So that's a huge, you know, guy that you have in your lineup that can maybe help get you through some lulls of the season where, where the dog days, as they call them, get to you, and, and then you try and fight and get, get some of that momentum back as the, as the season gets to the end like they did last year, basically, where they – I mean, I had them towards the end there. I was telling these guys, I'm like, I wouldn't be surprised if they won at all. They just they just got hot and they were just a difficult team to deal with. So can they do it again? They got a couple guys that can throw in the upper nineties, Chris Cooper and Nathan Detmer. Um, but it's all about developing a second pitch for those guys. Um, and if you don't have a second pitch in this league, everybody's throwing ninety plus, so ninety plus isn't that that big a deal anymore. So have your secondary stuff. Can they do it? Can A and M do it? We'll see. Yeah. So. I'll kind of save most of my analysis. We have a couple of segments coming up, and I saved the same for one of those. Um, expectations, Fleming and Beav, uh, what do you kind of think Texas A&M is capable of doing, and what's kind of their floor this season? Man, I mean, they're honestly fully capable of doing what they did last year. Schlossnagel is just that kind of coach, man. Uh, I mean, it's tough to find a guy like him that is able to literally maximize every last bit out of the players that he gets and how much they love playing for that dude. I mean, going back to uh, the TCU days, I mean, we, uh, the Spit and Seeds guys, were fortunate enough to interview quite a few of the TCU team on on our other podcast and uh, have been able to connect with them and Man, I mean, just the amount of great things they had to say and how the program was left in the way that he left, um, I mean, just speaks volumes to the kind of character that he has. But that Texas A&M team, man, I mean, they just grind out at bats. They're going to eat up pitches. They're going to wear down arms and test how deep your bullpen can really get. I mean, the more that you can do that later in the season and you start wearing out arms, that's all it takes. That That is all it takes. Yeah, I, I love that uh, statement. And pesky, the word that Beard used, it's right on because they'll just foul pitches off and work up uh, starting pitchers counts. And it's really frustrating. Nine to pitch bats, man, were just that was their M.O. last year. Yeah, yeah, it, it really is. And as a as a former college pitcher myself, I wasn't D1. Um, when I say that, uh, just know I wasn't actually as good as these guys, but I just when you when you get deeper into the counts and it starts to like be double digits on just one guy you're just like holy shit let me just get one over the middle that way he can just roll it over and i can move on to the next guy well they just keep following it off and there's a, a, it's just unspeakable how many of those at bats they have phlegm anything on a and m here i was gonna say they kind of remind me of the old uh sms bears team about probably about a decade ago just real scrappy um that's kind of the word that comes to mind is they're just gonna compete um and we're talking Texas baseball. Like, there's no lack of talent in Texas. So, I mean, they, they got the horses to make Omaha run. I got them in Omaha. Um, I expect them in Omaha. Um, expect them to compete LSU for the West. I, ex- I expect them to compete with Tennessee and LSU for the SEC title. Um, I think they're kind of the new Arkansas. All right. Um, moving on to our number four team. What's up? I said they got the money. (laughs) (laughs) They do. They do. We've seen that on the football side for sure. Uh, All all of it, it tends to blend over in all of these sports. Uh, We rank 
number four, the defending national champions, the Ole Miss Rebels. Um, I kind of forgot who is on Ole Miss. B, you got that team preview. Tell us about, uh, you know, Bianco squad here is he off he's he's now off the hot seat yeah <laughs> yeah I'll tell you what man uh, yeah talk about getting yourself uh, over the hump there so and I mean which honestly was was great to see uh, I mean super classy guy uh, you know a guy that's been able to tough it out in a program that let's be honest didn't care about baseball before he got there really um, I mean, completely changing that program. Granted, it it, it wasn't just him. Uh, I mean, the players that are on that team uh, were just absolutely phenomenal, and we'll get into that. Um, but, uh, like, the, the betting odds for this team this year, I mean, to take the SEC plus 750, um, you know, that's really – not bad odds if you're looking for a long-term play to to put a bet on for for a team like this, knowing what they lost, but also what they're returning. Omaha, I'm not as big a, of a fan of of those numbers at plus 400, uh, which is good for about tied for 14th with uh, everybody else on the lines. And man, for to take it all is actually not bad odds at plus 2,000. Uh, I mean, that is a little more intriguing to me if I'm going to try to make a longer-term play like that. Um, I do have concerns with this team in particular, um, you know, when you're trying to replace Dylan DeLucia and I mean, Brandon Johnson, who is your just come in and shut the world down closer. Uh, and then you lose, uh, I mean, literally this mythical figure in Ole Miss history and Tim Elko. Uh, I mean, he's Paul Bunyan to us just, I mean, chopping down trees, man, that dude. Uh, I mean, hitting jacks on torn ACLs. Uh, if they don't build a statue for that guy, then Ole Miss is doing it wrong and they don't deserve baseball anymore. Um, I mean, they lost Justin Bench, Kevin Graham, and then, I mean, Hayden Dunhurst behind the plate. I mean, quite possibly the best catcher in baseball last year. Uh, I mean, when you hear those names not being a part of that team anymore, you think of teams like Tennessee and having to replace all of those guys, but you still don't realize how veteran this Ole Miss team still is. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, you got Jacob Gonzalez, who is, you know, by all accounts, uh, one of the favorites to win the golden spikes this year. Uh, I mean, you want to talk about being able to replace Tim Elko, look no further than him at shortstop, uh, quite possibly the best shortstop in the game. Um, you know, maybe Jacob Wilson there out of Grand Canyon has something to say about that. But, uh, I mean, it's tough to go against, you know, the quite arguably the best guy in the best conference. Um, you know, you got Kemp Alderman coming back, TJ McCants, Peyton Chatinier, which, let's be honest, who wasn't enamored by the three stolen bases to get home there? Just straight comedy when that went down. Yeah. Um, I mean, Hunter Elliott on the dish. I mean, he's just a bona fide superstar. I mean, that is no question your ace. But after Hunter Elliott is where those questions arise. I mean, you have the horses as far as being able to put up runs and maintain the offensive production that Ole Miss was used to last year. But there's a lot of question marks. I mean, they do have some potential answers to it. I mean, uh, Grayson uh, Saunier true freshman coming in. I mean, it is throwing mid to upper nineties with just some filthy stuff. He got drafted in like the 18th round by the Rangers, but I, I mean, uh, there's not a soul out there. that's not saying that he would have been in the, in the top 10 rounds easily, but he was so committed to coming to Ole Miss and making a statement there. Um, and uh, I mean, he's, 
he's definitely looking like he he could be that Saturday guy for him. Uh, then you got um, D two guy Xavier Rivas uh, coming in too. Has some up stuff, but he's uh, he's more of a pesky pitcher coming with the lefty, looking more uh, for some movement, trying to draw some guys off. Definitely a, a, a make you miss kind of guy. Um, and then, uh, I mean, behind the plate, you know, the captain there uh, replacing Hayden Dunhurst, uh, Calvin Harris is about as close as you could reasonably get. I mean, you want to talk about a guy that should be able to step in and fill the shoes. Obviously, you're not going to be able to replace, I mean, just how amazing Dunhurst was on, on the defensive side. Calvin Harris is still a great defensive catcher, don't get me wrong. But, I mean, the dude had 110 at-bats and was hitting 336. Andy hits you two home runs in the College World Series. You want to talk about a guy stepping up and, and putting his claim out there to show that he's going to be that guy for you going forward. I mean, it, it's tough to look beyond that. Um, and then you want to talk about some other additions to replace some of those guys. I mean, Ethan Groff from Tulane just – absolute filthy. I mean, the dude has a 400, 500, 700 slash line at <laughs> Tulane last year. I mean, that's filthy. And Tulane was not a slouch team. You know what I mean? Everybody was talking about Tulane as, as being one that's going to make a lot of noise. Um, you have uh, Anthony Calarco that comes in, who's uh, going to be filling in over there at first base. Um, you know, he's a 300, 400, 600 slash guy, 13 home runs, had a pretty weak start to his career, but really, really made some statements last year. Obviously, why are you finding him on the defending champs now? And then uh, Ethan Leggy, who number one overall Juco player by a lot of metrics uh, coming in to, to fill in there at third base, who was uh, hitting 399. Uh, I mean, it, you're just building on that offensive production. I mean, if you want to talk about one that's built – if you had to get in just a straight offensive matchup against LSU, their team, their two teams right now that with Grant Taylor being out for LSU are built very similarly. Uh, it's tough to find a whole lot of differences between those two teams. And all honesty for being the defending national champs and number four overall in the country, uh, it, it's, you know, almost like Ole Miss is kind of being forgotten about as bad as that is to say, you know what I mean? Well, they kind of shit about. They were terrible last year. They shouldn't have been in the tournament. They got hot at the right time, and no one. Uh, well, they yeah. they also had the talent, though. I mean, they couldn't put things together during the season, and that was because of the pitching. Man, they they couldn't figure out their rotation. They were mixing up their rotation all the way through, even like playing through Tennessee, getting swept there at Swayze. I mean, they could they do that could again this year too. And they very well could, but I mean, look, last year they were number one overall early in the season and then completely fell out. And like you said, barely made it in, but it, you know, what it takes it are the horses. I mean, recruiting does everything right. Ole Miss has recruited just about as well as anybody. And that's all you need is one shot. You get hot at the right time. That's all it takes. Yeah. I remember being so stern about that too. Ole Miss getting in over a couple of the other yeah. teams that were left out. I remember yeah. Rutgers was on the door and then the other team that I was actually uh, pretty vocal about was NC state. They went to the championship in the ACC tournament Vegas, and Ole Miss yeah. lost game one. Really? I, I thought there was a better, yeah. better argument there for the Wolfpack, but they got screwed over by the NCAA. Again. Yeah. So let's jump into the schedule. Um, do we have anything yeah. that really stands out to us here with Ole Miss um, in so, the SEC, I really like Ole Miss's schedule. Um, actually, this year, uh, I mean, they have that early test against Maryland. Granted, at home, um, yep. I mean, you're talking a team that 
was number two in home runs all of last season that's returning a lot of production. I mean, don't get me wrong. I think they're probably overrated at the uh, it being 13th in the country right now, but it it's proven that they have bats. And if our big question mark about Ole Miss is what their pitching is going to do this year, you want to talk about a trial by fire. That's a great way to do it. Let's see how they react when they face against some of the best bats in the country. Uh, what's going to happen there? I mean, Ole Miss is going to get to play Louisiana Tech. That's another team that's always just got some healthy bats that that can take you long. I mean, they always seem to find a way to make some noise as a mid-major. I mean, you're you're away matchups. You're you're going to end up being at Vandy, at A and M, at Mississippi State, at Bama. So, I mean, it's not like they have the craziest away schedule. So, I mean, they can definitely sneak away quite a few series this year. And being able to get, you know, LSU and Arkansas at home, Florida at home, and then their other crossovers for the East are Mizzou and UGA. They're set up to have a really good season. I mean, it's there. It's way easier than it was for them last year. For sure. Totally agree with you there. Uh, Let's jump into some of the other guys' expectations. I'll start. I have this team actually third in the SEC West. Uh, We'll get in that a little bit. Um, But – I, I thought their schedule was quite favorable for them too. Their offense looks great on paper, and I trust Bianco with what he did last year, just tinkering with the uh, weekend rotation. That he's going to be able to find some kind of combination that works to get him two wins at uh, two two wins at home and don't get swept on the road. That's kind of the strategy there, and you know I, I think they end up third in this division. Uh, Flem, how about you on Ole Miss here? I'm not high on all this. I think they were a one-hit wonder last year. I mean, yeah, they had a nice ranking at the beginning of the season. I just – they, I feel like they're going to have a similar season this year, um, kind of flirt right around 500, a little lower 500, kind of middle of the pack. The SEC West is stacked, so um, I think they got a good Friday night guy who can keep you, who can, you know, go out and win the Friday night game. But what happens Saturday and Sunday? Yeah, and then Beard, how about you? I'll keep it simple. I think they're going to be a good team. Bianco's proven that he can coach, and then finally he proved that he can win it all. So um, Ole Miss is going to be a good baseball team. They hit the transfer portal well. Jacob Gonzalez can hit. They're going to be fine. Yeah. Uh, so I'll, we B mentioned the odds on Ole Miss. I'll just run back and mention Texas A&M because I think we forgot about those. A&M plus 500 to win the SEC tournament, um, and then they're plus 250 to make it to Omaha and plus 1750 to win it all now we'll jump into our number five ranked team in our uh, preseason SEC rankings and that's the Arkansas Razorbacks and I have that preview here they're plus 600 to win the SEC plus 250 to win or to go to Omaha and plus 1300 to win the College World Series before I get into any losses from last season for the second straight year the Hogs lose their projected ace just weeks before the season Last year is Peyton Paulette. This year it's Jackson Wiggins. The moral of the story is that doubting Dave Van Horn managing Arkansas is not really a winning strategy as they appeared in Omaha and they were one game away from the championship championship series last year. Uh, the big losses that uh, come up 
they come up the middle of the field for the Hawks in center fielder, Brayden Webb, shortstop, Jalen Battles, second baseman, Robert Moore, catcher slash rental player, uh, Michael Turner. That, that thing took off last year. DVH again reloaded uh, with additional rental players from the transfer portal. A lot of Juco guys, um, a big name, third baseman, Juco transfer, Caleb Cowley as a big middle of the order bat. And then added in Jer- uh, Creighton transfer, Jared Wegner. Uh, he'll slot in the left field as he batted 343 with a 1094 OPS. Granted, it was Big East baseball. We'll see how that tr- uh, transfers in the SEC here. On the pitching side, Arkansas's ace Connor Noland is now gone entering this year as well. The big pitching addition was Juco transfer Hunter Holland, who throws in the mid-90s and should develop throughout the year. Losing Wiggins sucks, but the depth of this pitching staff with it was its strength of Arkansas, and I think – the outlook could be quite similar to what last year's was in SEC and in postseason play. So um, in specific, keep an eye on Hagan Smith this year. Uh, I buried the lead. He's just a wicked sophomore lefty who should step in the ace role after uh, Wiggins injury. He had a great postseason last year. And then their closer, Brady Tiger, finished with a 382 ERA, 51 strikeouts, 21 walks in 37.2 innings. They didn't really have – uh, designated closer. They kind of went by um, committee last year. He should step into that main role this year. The key bat for Arkansas is redshirt senior Brady Slavens, who hit 16 bombs last season with a 255 average. He hit two homers in Omaha as well, and as well as the first uh-huh. ever center field home run in uh you know, Charles Schwab field, TD Ameritrade, uh, that park. Uh, he had an 855 OPS with 58 RBIs. Let's jump into the Hogs schedule here real quick. Um, the things that stand out for me are their road trips. You start off with LSU, and that's your first road trip in the SEC. It's a little bit tough. But after that, you have at the end of the season, your final three road trips are Georgia, Mississippi State and Vanderbilt, who I project to be all kind of middle of the road uh, SEC teams falling within like my seven and 12 range. So I think that those are pretty winnable. And then you dodge a couple of the good teams out of the West. I mean, it's it's hard to dodge anybody or I mean, out of the East. Um, It's hard to dodge uh, Tennessee after everybody complained about the first schedule release, not having Tennessee again this year. So uh, they host the Vols. um, And I I think they avoid Florida, which is a a big miss um, for me. The expectations for Arkansas should be Omaha. Once again, in my opinion, I don't think they'll win the sec West over LSU Personally, I was much higher on the Hogs than our guys. I ranked Arkansas third in the SEC because I value their pitching, and I think their staff has incredible depth. Depth. Um, but let's hear from some of the guys. Um, Beard, start with you in the West there. Uh, you know, Dave Van Horn, he's been doing it for too long to to let something like this kind of derail everything. I mean, you kind of got a blueprint from last year how to kind of figure this deal out doesn't hurt that you have a great back-end guy once again that seems to be Arkansas's MO um I do see um, you know massive steps back lost a lot of guys lost a lot of experience talent um but they're going to continue to be Arkansas that's just that's just kind of how they are it's kind of like uh, A&M with Sloss Nagel like once once a guy's there a particular coach or whatever 
doesn't matter who you plug in. They're going to be a part of that program. And going to, it's going to be Arkansas. Once again, they're going to be rowdy. They're going to be loud. They're going to talk, you know, even though Van Horn <clears throat> says they don't, whatever he wants to say. Um, I just wish he would kind of be quiet and just do his thing. Like enjoy your success, man. Buy into it. <laughs> buy in, Yeah. Like it, it's almost like he doesn't enjoy being there sometimes and I don't get it. I feel you there. How about the Tennessee guys? I mean, I'm not as high on Arkansas as some of these guys are. <laughs> That's the wrong guy to ask. Right there. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just mentioned Tennessee guys, so I was hoping either one of them might step up. But nah, yeah, I see, I see Flem. Yeah, we we saw Flem. I'm, right I'm much higher on Arkansas than than uh, Flem is over there. He uh he has a bone to pick. He, uh, with for his birthday last year, all he wanted was all the smoke from Arkansas fans <laughs> on Twitter. So, uh, he's he's probably the wrong guy to ask about his take. <laughs> I do like Brady Slavens, much like myself. We're both Kansas City Metro prospects, um, Kansas City kids. So, um. You know, I, I do enjoy watching the kids from Kansas City ball out in the SEC. Um, Peyton Stovall. What Bobby? <laughs> do what? What about old Bobby Winters? Old Bobby Werns, me and Blue Valley West. What's up? Let's go. Um, yeah, I mean, it's Peyton Stovall, great, you know, great kid, great infielder. Um, I'm just not sure. You know, Arkansas struggled last <laughs> put up runs, and I'm not, I think they're going to fall into the same kind of slump this year just trying to – uh, scratch through runs. I think they're going to struggle offensively more than anything. Yeah, you're not wrong. And I can see like it's the differing in styles is like I I had Arkansas three, you had uh, Arkansas seven, and then you had AM three, I had AM six. So it's just different ways to handicap ball. And that's why I asked, that's why we, we got to get different pers- uh, uh, yeah. points of view here. Um, I mean, I definitely expect Will McIntyre to fill in really well. For sure. Um, with with Jackson now being out, um, had the opportunity to uh, meet up and chat with uh, Will at the College World Series last year. And uh, I mean, great kid. Uh, definitely, I feel like uh, he's probably been a little underutilized at Arkansas in the past, uh, but he's pretty quiet demeanor, seemingly just kind of a funny, goofy kid. But man, uh, I, I really look for him to take a massive step forward. And after his showing last year in the postseason, uh, you want to talk about Arkansas fans like wholesale backing a guy now. I mean, you, you got to get the sense that that fan base is just in love with what that kid brings to the table now. Yeah, for sure. Uh, let's move on to the number six team in the SEC in our preseason rankings. Vanderbilt, Flem, you had your fellow <laughs> Tennessee rival. Uh, what's up with the Commodores this season? Yeah, so, I mean, Tim Corbin's still doing Tim Corbin things. You know, he recruits really well. You know, they did lose probably their two most productive bats last year in Dominique Keegan and Spencer Jones to the draft. Uh, but when you think Vanderbilt baseball, man, right now you got to think Enrique Bradfield Jr. Dude is a stolen base just sitting on the bench at all times. I, The kid is so quick. He covers so much field, so much ground in center field. Um, it's honestly unbelievable to watch him play. Huge fan, you know, leads the SEC in stolen bases like every year. Um, he's going to be, you know, once he gets on base, he's it's almost impossible for him not to score on every. He's the uh, single most disruptive player in college baseball. It's it's unbelievable. He's he's so good. Um, but, you know, when you think Vanderbilt, you think pitching. Pitching is always going to be their strength. Um, you know, it's where <clears throat> Corbin builds, has built his dynasty. 
Um, Carter Holton and Devin Futrell, they're going to kind of highlight the, the rotation for Vanderbilt, I would assume. I believe Maul Donato is still kind of closing things out. He's still running around uh, yep. Nashville. Um, you know, you got Jack Bolger, Parker Noland. Uh, they're both coming back, key pieces to the to the Vanderbilt team. Um, and then they got a freshman coming in. I'm going to butcher his last name, uh, but his name is Andrew Dekanik. I'm uh- I just learned the pronunciation this yeah this morning, so let me pull that up. Keep going though. Uh, he's should be on a major league, a minor league team right now. He's a much like a uh, Dylan Cruz type kid, big time prospect. Um, decided he wanted to come to Vanderbilt and play for Corbin. Um, he's going to be a big time. I, we'll see where he fits in in the rotation if he gets in the starters, uh, but he's an upper nineties guy. Um, and I think he's going to be your future, you know, All-American there at Vanderbilt. Um, a lot of places are projecting him is is the Sunday guy right now. Okay, so I've seen, yeah, I mean, I think Carter, Holton, and Devin Futrell are going to definitely be in your starting rotation. I've seen some other projections where uh, Sam Hill-Bokey coming off Tommy John could yeah. fill, that, uh, fill that role. Um, I'm butchering all these names. <laughs> Carter, no matter what. Let's, uh, Carter is your Friday guy. If you do not have Carter as your Friday starter in your Vanderbilt, then what are you doing? Yeah, I agree. Uh, I found yeah. that one from earlier, um, the freshman. It's Duke can't itch, but that's coming from Discord as well. So just be aware <laughs> it might not totally be true, but that's that's it for right now. I Lim, guess. if it's Vanderbilt and you can't pronounce it, just call him doctor. Yeah, but I'm 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 high on Vanderbilt this year. I I think they had a uncharacteristic uh, 22 season. Um, I like them fighting Tennessee for the SEC East. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them in Omaha. Um, you know, obviously they got to go. I think to Tennessee. That's kind of their big series. Heck, they get they got a tough first game Friday night TCU. Um, I think that's going to be – it's going to tell you a lot about what Vanderbilt's got this year. Yeah. Very interested to watch that game. Two top 10 teams, two top 15 teams, depending on what uh, what you're looking at. Um, and even that UCLA – that UCLA series is going to be good too. I know Matt was high on UCLA last year. They got some studs out there. Um, and then obviously – as you run through the SEC gauntlet, you know, the, the SEC is the SEC, so. That Louisville series is sneaky as well. Yeah, for sure. And then you also have the back-to-back road series here in Alabama, Florida. Um, both those yeah. are pretty mid-middle-ish SEC teams. But anytime you get a back-to-back road, it's pretty tough. And then you also have that midweek road game at Louisville as well. So that was kind of like the pothole that I saw for yep. Vandy. So, um. Expectations on the Commodores, guys. I I put Vanderbilt a third in the East and seventh overall in the SEC. I think that you know the, the pitching is really good. When um, Bradfield or um, when when he comes back as your no uh, leading home run hitter, you've got a little bit of questions on the offense. And yeah. Enrique. So that's that's my question with the Commodores right now, and, and Enrique Bradfield being the leading home run hitter coming back. Uh, how about you guys? Beard, start with you. 
I mean, <clears throat> Vandy, Vandy's going to be, Vandy's going to be right there. They're not going to be a team that if, if they're competing for the, for the SEC East with Tennessee, no, no one's going to bat an eye. Um, I don't expect them to, to make some super regression where we expect them towards the end because they've kind of been a team that nobody's really kind of discussed here in the SEC this year, I would say. Um, and that may be a product of, you know, of your own success or, or a byproduct of that because everyone just expects Corbin to just roll guys out there and dudes. And I think this might be the one year where we saw a kind of a chink in the armor where a guy left, a pitcher left Vanderbilt. Um and and went to I mean obviously we my team benefited with Christian Little but you know that that's not something that has happened in the past usually he kind of holds on to those guys he's kind of like the Nick Saban of, of defensive linemen you know with pitchers like they don't go anywhere they stay there and they develop and they become dudes um, so I don't know if that's maybe an early sign of something that we don't know about who knows but uh, I, I expect Vanderbilt to be just fine it's Corbin. Well, I mean, if any indication about the arms, what happened with Kumar and and Lighter and everything, man, I mean, he burned those kids up. I mean, you know, I I think that had to have hurt him. I think a lot of kids saw that. Yeah, they're big names and everything. But, man, I think those kids took several years off their arms being in that program that year. Um, I mean, Vanderbilt's, honestly, their offensive production worries me. I mean, it, with, based on what they have returning outside of Enrique Bradfield right now, I, I mean, it wouldn't surprise me if they make it to Omaha. It also wouldn't surprise me if they end up unranked in a 500 team at the end of the year. Yeah, we'll talk about uh, like player of the year stuff at the end here. But this is this is a guy that like if Vandy is in the conversation at some point during the year, at least like in, in the top of the SEC East challenging Tennessee or uh, a top four seed in the SEC tournament, well, Enrique Bradfield's going to have his name in the conversation for that award. Oh, no question. So um, I mean, the, the issue here, the top teams from what we've discussed is at least all of the other top teams when they're replacing guys, they're replacing them with verified transfers that have put up numbers. Right now, Vandy is trying to replace guys with guys that don't have anything. Yep. Uh, number seven, we have ranked the Florida Gators. So I was in charge of doing the team preview here with the Gators. Uh, SEC, to win it, they're plus 500. To go to Omaha, they're plus 200. And to win the College World Series, they're plus 1,300. Did we touch on Vandy? Uh, real we did quick? not. I'll, I'll mention – I'll mention that real quick. Vandy plus 750 uh, to win the SEC tournament. They are – got to pull up Vandy. Plus 300 to make it to Omaha. And then um, plus 1750 to win it all. So back to Florida. Before I dive into this team preview, for those who don't know, I'm, I'm like a diehard Michigan fan. I got the Hutch jersey in my background. But – I, I went to <laughs> I went to college in Pittsburgh, but if there was I, I played ball there. Um, but if there was one SEC team that I kind of associated myself with, it's the Florida Gators, <laughs> and it's because my aunt played basketball there. Um, I, I get a ton of shit probably from these guys throughout the year uh, being a Gators fan because you know uh, I'm not located in Florida, but they do us a disservice by not showing up to the dang ballpark and making it a, a good home crowd. But yeah. Uh, you know, I'll jump into the preview. Florida doesn't lose uh, too many key pieces from a year ago in my eyes. Most notably, their ace, Hunter Barco. He went down to Tommy John surgery during the year last year. He's not going to be available. 
the Gators lost Judd Fabian to the draft, but in my eyes, he didn't really live up to the crazy expectations that were placed on him. Uh, the strength of this team is 100% their top four starters in the pitching rotation. I honestly think that the quartet of Hurston Waldrop, Brandon Sprout, Pierce Coppola, and Bryn Neely will be a top three SEC rotation and a top five national rotation. Call me crazy. But we all know what Wyatt Langford's going to do. He's a five-tool center fielder um, in the nation. Like He's a top five MLB draft pick. He's going to be one of the talk- most talked about outfielders in the nation. Um, the guy that I think a lot of people might be sleeping on in this batting lineup is Jack Caglione. Caglione. Uh, he'll either be the DH or the first baseman. In the middle of the SEC play last year, that's when he made his first appearance um, after coming off of Tommy John surgery. He finished the season with an 887 OPS, 288 average, and seven tanks, and that was just in a half a season all in SEC play. I think Kags might be uh, able to hit 20 this year, and he's going to be a key piece in this offense because that was somewhat of the question last year is that when Barco wasn't on the mound to win games for you last year, the offense didn't really fix that for you. So now let's jump into the schedule for the Gators here. And my, of course, my school is terrible with the schedule. They want to put out an entire calendar when they do it. So there's three different graphics. I wasn't going to put all three of them onto the, the YouTube portion of this. Again, the college experience on YouTube. But I'll walk through uh, the ones that aren't on this graphic. Weekend number three. Um, they have Miami, Florida, the uh, in-state rival, uh, March 3rd to the 5th. Um, the first SEC weekend, they're playing Alabama, 17th through the 19th. Then they have a midweek against the rival Florida State on the 21st. Second SEC series is Ole Miss, uh, 24th through the 26th. Midweek again against Florida State. And then they play their third SEC weekend, series against Auburn, the 31st through the second. So for me, I, I think that they get a lot of tough road matchups. You're going to Tennessee, you're going to South Carolina, who I think is going to be all right this year. And you're going to Texas A&M. Uh, they're fighting an uphill battle there with the schedule. Um, jumping into the expectations for the Gators this year. Um, I actually have higher than normal when talking about my own teams. I, I think it's an Omaha or bus caliber squad. Uh, I don't think they're in the running to win the SEC. I think that there's uh, some much better teams in the SEC. But when you're talking about an eight-team field or a 64-team field narrowing down to eight, I think they have a really good chance to get into Omaha this year. I personally ranked Florida fourth in the SEC, which is much, high, much higher than the Sunflower Seed Spitters here um let's see if they can spit some heat and reasonably call me a little bit crazy for this take here on the gators man florida's issues i think it's more of a clubhouse thing there's nobody that's going to argue they have all the talent in the world there there's something not right with that organization right now i i don't know what it is but i it's blatantly obvious to everybody the fans don't care about the program the team seemed just disinterested last year i I mean i don't know what it is and there have been rumblings and stuff everywhere and i mean through a lot of different media outlets about about something toxic going on in that program um now, I, I don't necessarily think that's an indictment on the coach. Um, I, I think he's a phenomenal coach. I do think that is a, a phenomenal program. But until I actually see it on the field, I am going to continually 
say that they are overrated and they do not deserve it because I don't trust them. Yeah, we got a section coming up on there. Uh, pretty strong words from Beeve. Maybe uh, Florida's popping up on one of them. Uh, Flem or Beard, any other words on Florida here? Uh, I was going to say um, I agree with, 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 with Beeve about the, the there's a clubhouse issue. Um, so I don't think everybody can maybe get shopped around like Sullivan did right before LSU hired Jay Johnson. Um yeah. And maybe that be okay if you come back where, where we, you know, like a Mike Gundy uh, at Oklahoma state, he seems to always get, you know, get an extension or whatever. And it's okay. It's okay. Nobody's hurt. Nobody, no harm, no foul. They have not been the same since Sullivan got kind of shopped around a little bit. And yeah. there's just, I mean, they built what they spent 60, 60 million dollars on a, on a baseball facility a new and they can't park. get anybody there. Yep. And we're talking about a Florida team who won a national championship in 2017. They were one of the best programs in the 2010s. Yeah. The other thing for Florida is consistently is the plate discipline, man. I mean, they strike out far more than they get walked, man. And it's the plate discipline is everything. Yeah, they hit a lot of home runs and stuff like that, but that's because they are swinging for the fences on literally every single pitch, man. It it. You're something got to happen. You're not wrong, and I, I don't like that approach, but it's the way that the baseball game is being played nowadays. You, you see it in the MLB. It's hard to hard to tell kids or teach kids to do something opposite of what's working right now in the MLB. That's my that's my stance on that. Anyway, um, I just really really love the pitching. I'm buying all of it, um, and all yeah, of their starting, and they've got depth there. The the addition of Hurston is uh, that can't be understated. I mean, yeah. that's the only thing that really makes me pause about my so-called hot take on Florida <laughs> is the addition of that kid is, I mean, to me, might quite might be the best addition in college baseball for a staff this year. It might. Flem, anything on the Gators? I like Florida. I'm not sure what Brandon's smoking. Um, you know, like, like yeah, we're, I'm buying pitching with you, and I like Wyatt Langford in the middle of that lineup. Um, kid is a stud. I think he's going to be in your Golden Spikes. Um you know, talk for the whole season. Um, there's no short of talent in Florida. I like Florida, Florida State. I like all those. I like, I like all. Yeah, I like all the Florida schools in baseball. I mean, they're they're all good. Yeah. So 14 team conference. We're through seven. We'll try to pick it up a little bit here for uh, the listeners. But moving on to the number eight team we have is South Carolina. Um, South Carolina goes to Beef. What do we got on the Gamecocks this year? Yeah, so um, uh, odds to win the SEC plus 4,000, odds to make it to Omaha plus 1250, uh, odds to um, win it all plus 7,500. Um, I mean, I think there's a lot of people out there that think that South Carolina can be dangerous uh, and they definitely can be. So, I mean, if you're a betting person, the plus 4,000 odds to win the sec are, are pretty favorable. I mean, that would definitely be something that may entice me a little bit because I, I, I mean, we'll talk about it ad nauseum, but pitching does mean a lot in this game, especially in the college game. Um, but outside of the starting rotation for South Carolina, man, this team is entirely different. I mean, there's five transfers right now that are projected in the starting lineup. I mean, this team was worst in the league last season with 58 home runs. Uh, you know, in Noah, uh, to your point, in the, in the head nods that we're 
going around. I mean, everybody's swinging for the fences. They were included, but they weren't touching the ball. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, the plate discipline there was just absolutely abysmal. They only had two guys on the entire team hit double-digit home runs last year, and Andrew Eister and Josiah Seitler, both of which are not with the team anymore, so you're losing nearly half of your production at the plate. Uh, I mean, it's – it's not exactly a, a glowing thing for him at the moment. Um, but I will say to their credit, the additions that they have brought on um, in Gavin Casas um, there at first base uh, came from Vandy. Granted, he played extremely sparingly at Vandy, but any talent that ends up going to Vandy, um, you know, beard to your point, they just don't leave. Uh, so for for anybody, especially at that important of a position to head out, it's a, a, a pretty big deal. And obviously, he's got a lot of talent if he's being recruited for Vandy. Will McGillis uh, coming in there at second base, uh, uh, transfer from Southern Miss. I mean, dude hit 16 home runs and had 50, uh, 51 RBIs last year. Um, I mean, that's some stellar production. You're already uh, better off than any of the guys you had up at the up at the dish. Uh, uh, last year for South Carolina left field had Caleb Denny coming in from Oral Roberts guy hit 331 last season, 11 home runs, 57 RBIs um, right field Dylan Brewer from Clemson, not as strong on the bat, but a good defensive presence only hitting 206 last year. So, I mean, you, you better hope the juice is worth the squeeze on one like that, especially when you're stealing them from a rival. Um yeah, DH realistically uh, uh, is going to be Jacob Compton from Memphis, a uh, guy hitting 291 last season, 11 home runs, 56 RBIs. Uh, if there's one thing that uh, you can gather from what South Carolina has added was run production, run production, run production. I mean, 50-plus RBIs for any guy is absolutely stellar, and they added three guys from D1 baseball that produced at a really high level. So um, definitely some some things to really look forward to there. Do they produce against SEC starting rotations? You know, that's definitely something uh, to work out. Um, now, I included him as kind of like an added player since he didn't play last year as well, but realistically, who's going to end up being your Sunday guy uh, is going to be Jack Pony, who was out last season with injury. Uh, I mean, definitely a great guy that should be able to step in, had some really good flashes, but um, you know, you just, you always wonder how that injury is going to be able to come back in your first season, especially playing in the sec. Then you got a, a, a freshman coming in that uh, uh, extremely highly touted who realistically is going to be your midweek guy for right now in Eli Jerzenbeck. Um <clears throat> Now, um, there's one, uh, Jonathan French coming in as well from uh, transfer from Clemson, uh, who's fighting for some time uh, to see if he's going to end up playing some catcher. If not, you could reasonably see him step in at, at potential DH uh, or fill in a couple other positions. Guy has uh, some unique tools, but he's a little bit better of a bat at the catcher spot, just probably a little bit weaker at defense. Um, hit eight home runs and 130 at bats for Clemson last year here but obviously if you're if you're talking South Carolina you're always going to come back to the starting rotation and you have an absolute stud for an ace and Will Sanders um, Noah Hall coming in for your Saturday night guy just another stud uh, your closer is probably going to be Kate Austin um, but the the guy that you're really really hoping to step up that was a, a tried and true for you is going to be uh, Braylon Wimmer who's moving over to short 
shortstop uh, for this season. I mean, a 312 guy, 13 stolen bases, seven home runs. I mean, the guy's just getting bags for you. Um, now, I mean, schedule-wise, or, or I guess really how it could play out, I still really only see like the top end for South Carolina is potentially being a regional host. I don't have a whole lot of confidence in them being able to be uh, a, a top eight or anything like that, hosting a super. Um, but I mean, if the bottom falls out, I don't see a whole lot of depth with this team. Um, like you said, this is, or we said earlier with some teams, as far as pitching, you're realistically probably one good injury away from having a, a, a pretty rough go at this season that you could, find yourself below 500 running the game in the SEC. Yeah. Um, I personally uh, like the squad quite a bit. I see a lot of potential in that weekend rotation. I have some analysis packed away for the back half of the episode. Flemmer Beard, anything on the Gamecocks here that you want to add? Pitching stays healthy. They should be fine. It's a make-or-break season for Kingston. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I'll second that. Will as Will Sanders goes, they will go. All right. So our number ninth ranked team is the Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, a little bit surprising there, but I felt like all of us, you know, a lot of talk around, you know, maybe Alabama or Auburn or Mississippi State, possibly uh, being in like a top twenty-five snub, and we have Georgia over all of them, and I I love it because personally, I had them up there as well. Um, the Georgia preview belongs to Beard. Let's jump yep. into the Bulldogs here. So the Bulldogs' biggest thing is there. It's it's make or break with with the experience that they have and the pitching. The pitching is can be really top end because of the the velocity that's there. But if they don't develop some secondary pitches or some 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 consistency and missing some bats that Coleman Wilkes didn't miss last year then they're going to struggle. But if, if they can, you know, because everybody knows about Jaden Woods, everybody knows about the fastball, develop the slider. Develop a secondary pitch and you'll be better. Like I said, they've got an experienced lineup. Cole Wagner, Connor Tate, Collins, Ben Anderson, Gonzalez at the catching position, which nobody's mentioned it yet, is one of the most important positions in college baseball, especially SEC. If you have a catcher that you can rely on and essentially forget about he's there, that's huge. Um Kind of a fun fact about Georgia, they got two 25-year-olds when the season starts, Ben Anderson and Connor Tate. That's kind of funny in today's college baseball, 25 well, years old. Hard, I mean, he's for the course for all their athletic squads sure. right now, isn't it? Yeah. For sure, for sure. Um, you know, their, their schedule, they avoid Bama, Mississippi State, and A&M. That's not, you know, they, they don't miss much there. They've got an unforgiving conference schedule, I would agree. I would say, you know, at home they got LSU – Tennessee and Arkansas, <laughs> and then they go to Auburn, to Vandy, to Florida, and then to Ole Miss. Their toughest stretch, I think, is right in the middle. It's at Florida, Arkansas at home, and that, and then at Ole Miss. Um, the only reason I don't think the back end is that bad because you get to split it up with Missouri between UT and, and LSU, which is still tough on its own, but that, that Florida, Arkansas, Ole Miss stretch could be really tough. And could maybe break break this team before the before the conference tournament even starts. So, I, I I don't expect Georgia to like figure it all the way out at pitching, but there's got to be a little bit of improvement from last year. So I think you know our middle of the ranking right is kind of kind of right where they need to be middle of, towards the end. But I just I don't see them taking a huge step. They'll be competitive, but they're not going to be 
right there with everybody else. Yeah, I'm with you on that one. And I was one that was kind of high and buying on Georgia last year, and they just didn't really live up to expectation. The big thing with Georgia is, like, they haven't stayed healthy in the past three seasons. They have all this uh, experience. And, you know, in one corner, uh, some may say, you know, experience in college baseball when you're talking about, like, fifth-year or uh, redshirt seniors is, like, they weren't good enough to get drafted. The other thing is, like, Maybe they do like the college game. Um, that's kind of the viewpoint on Georgia here. I had Georgia 10th in the SEC, um, and it was fifth in the East. Uh, how about uh, some of the Vols' point of views? Beaver, Flem, you want to step in here? I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia could finish anywhere between second to, you know, fifth or sixth and the east there's talent there's a lot of talent in the atlanta area which is most of their uh, roster hails from um you know jordan jaden woods is a left-handed stud 97 from the south ball um just electric stuff um you got i mean they played tennessee really tough last year um here in knoxville and i think Tennessee's got to go on the road to them this year. I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia wins that series, honestly. Really? Well, um, let's hear not, from let's hear from the other Vol who ranked Georgia twelfth. Yeah. How about that, Beef? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's the pitching, really. I mean, outside of Jaden, I just don't see what else is there. Um, the bats are still realistically pretty unproven. Um, I mean, I do think there's a lot of potential with Georgia and I do think that they probably have one of the highest, um, differentials between ceiling and floor, uh, in the conference. Cause I, I think if the pieces come together and some of these freshmen, freshman arms come in and light it up, like what they're expected to do. I mean, they have two freshmen coming in that are already pitching in the upper nineties. I mean, we're talking a potential similar situation to like what happened with Tennessee's bullpen with, um, you know, burns and beam and stuff coming in and completely changing a program. Um, you know, they added Sebastian um, Murillo from long beach state, which, I mean, obviously the dirt bags were, um, a, a great program last year and, and made a lot of headlines. Um, well, I mean, getting anybody from there, especially when you're coming to play the most athletic spot on the field there in shortstop. Um, you got Charlie Condon, um, you know. That's who, the name who people need to listen for. Yeah. Who yeah, was uh, uh, traded last year, but just tore it up in the Northwoods League. Uh, and uh, so, uh, I mean, there's Exit definitely – Exit velos this fall of one sixteen plus on pretty yeah. regularly. Yeah, so just I, I look, find look for it some big time home runs. Arms is is my only thing. I find it hard to trust sure. fresh arms. For sure. For sure. Um, moving down to number ten, we had the Bulldogs of Mississippi State, the twenty twenty one national champions, and this one belongs to Flem. Uh, tell us about MSU here. Your 2021 national champions who finished like almost dead last, or I think they did finish last, <laughs> last year. Like, what a fall from grace! Yeah, um, you know, what a rich, such a rich tradition, um, in baseball. You know, they probably have you know the mecca of stadiums down there. Um, lost some key pieces last year, you know, lost the captain, Logan Tanner, he's no longer there, Brad Cumbest, uh. 
Cameron James and RJ Yeager. So you got, you know, four of your top five bats are no longer with the team anymore. Um, you know, they did hit the transfer transfer portal really, really hard. Um, they probably have one of the top five um, recruiting classes as far as the transfer portal. Brought kids in from all over the place. Um, are returning Hunter Hines, Luke Hancock, Kellen Clark. So they do have a good nucleus of uh, returning players that are, have been in the program a long time and won a national championship. Um, you know what it takes. Um, Colton Ledbetter, he's probably going to be a name to uh, really listen for. Um, outfielder comes in from Sanford, second team all conference, uh, hit 318, 16 home runs, got some pop in that bat. Probably a top 50 prospect for this coming year. Uh, out of a kid from Memphis, um, Landon Gartman, um, was 2022 newcomer of the year as far as pitching. First team all ACC, AAC. Um, had some other good time transfers, including Aaron Nixon, right hand pitcher from Texas. Um, but they're going to. Mississippi State's going to be a weird team. I'm not sure they could be really good or they could be really bad. Um, I'm not sure there's any in between there. Um, Casey Hunt's probably going to be your Friday night starter. Um, you know, was kind of projected to be the ace last year, got hurt. Um, he's back. Um, and then you also got to look out for freshman, one of the top prospects, uh, Dakota Jordan. Probably see some playing time in the outfield. Um, but as far as scheduling goes for Mississippi State, you know, they got a tough series with Arizona State off the, off the bat. Um, they actually played Long Beach State, I believe, at home last year. And I think they lost that series, and that kind of set the – set the table for them on their 2022 season. Um, I think that Arizona State series is going to be a very, very telling series for how their season's going to get kicked off. Um, when that series, things could, you know, things fall into place. Vandy, Ole Miss, Tennessee, Arkansas, LSU, A&M. I mean, obviously those are all going to be really tough series, all going to be top, you know, 15, 20 teams. Um, but if they can kind of get the ball rolling, you know, they're they're still only two years removed from a national championship, so um, he's they got to steady the ship, so to speak. Yeah, I I was picking up the hot and cold vibes with you as well. Like that they, they could really su- surprise some people, or they could really fall back into the cellar like they were last year. Yeah. I had uh, Mississippi State twelfth, um, kind of leaned more towards like the lack of pitching again. Really kind of nerves me this year. They need some guys to step up. Uh, for me personally, um, the highest. I mean, all three of you ranked Mississippi State at nine, so I guess my average kind of brought down the Bulldogs. Anything else on Mississippi State from uh, either Beaver or Beers? I was just going to say it's Mississippi State. They've got a program. They've got the facilities. They've got the coaching. I, I mean, I, I can say this about a lot of programs that we're not really so high on or whatever because the SEC has elevated itself to such a high level that kind of middle of the road is okay well I I could see them doing that even if even if they're having a tough season because I think last year was an anomaly I think Mississippi State will be fine I think playing in the SEC West is what makes maybe taking that next step after a really tough season especially coming into this year is going to be what makes it tough so (laughs) anything additional uh beef no I mean that that pretty well covers it all right so 
We jump on over to the Tigers of Auburn, who rank 11th. And again, I, I think I forgot to plug some gambling odds for Mississippi State there. Plus 1,300 to win the SEC. Um, Got to do the control F to pull them up here down That's a little done, bit done further. <laughs> 500 for Omaha. And then we have plus 5,000 to win it all. And then for Auburn, they're 1,500 to win the SEC. They are plus 500 to go to Omaha and plus 5,000 to win it all. Head coach Butch Thompson's Auburn team is getting overlooked once again after it uh, last season where they made their second College World Series appearance in the last three tournaments. What's the haps here? So for starters, Auburn loses Golden Spikes finalist Sonny Deshera and two other starting infielders in addition to taking big losses on the pitching side and their ace Hayden Mullins and bullpen go-tos Carson Skipper, Mason Bennett, and closer Blake Burhalter. Uh, There are a lot of holes to fill in this 2023 Tigers squad. There is one guy on this year's team that appeared in both College World Series years, and that's Kaysen Howell. Um, Solid bat at the top of the order. He's kind of like leads the SEC, I guess, and annoying at bats if you're not counting the Texas A&M team, sure. So uh, they also return the middle of the lineup bats and Bobby Pierce and Cole Foster from last year, along with catcher Nate LaRue, who should have or should lead the relatively inexperienced pitching staff pretty well. Auburn also returns their best starting pitcher from the second half of the season, Joseph Gonzalez. He should be the star of this team. He finished 7-4 and last year with a 322 ERA. Um, I'm hearing a little bit of vibration after me. I don't know if that's me or somebody else's mic, but um, jumping into the schedule here, they actually have a pretty clean graphic. So shout out to their social media team. You can view it on YouTube at the college experience. Um, this team has four, uh, three tough road trips and one that I think could be sleeper tough with at South Carolina. They go to Arkansas, they go to Florida, they go to South Carolina, and they go to Ole Miss, and they host LSU, Texas A&M as the t- two of our top three teams. Um, and then they host Georgia, Mississippi State, and Missouri as well. I really don't think they got the benefit of the draw here in the scheduling, and that's one factor that put them pretty low for us overall. Um, honestly, the bar for Auburn should be set to finish in the top five of the SEC West and or make the NCAA tournament. I've got them ranked in the conference, which was much higher, much higher than the rest of the guys. But I think they have enough experience returning in order to make the argument that they're a top 10 SEC team and they won't finish in the cellar of the West. Um all three of you guys had Auburn at 11. Uh, somebody want to step up and offer a little bit more analysis and maybe on the negatives? I'll, t- I'll take it real quick. I think we all are probably believing that Auburn relied too much on Sonny Deshera last year, and you don't even replace him with anything close to that. So yeah. where are you going to get that from? But I will say this, on a sidebar and a great note for Auburn, the new uniforms that they came out with this year, Outstanding. Maybe yeah. look good, yeah. maybe play good this year, boys. Outstanding right. uniforms. Love it. Uh, so, number 12, we have Alabama. Um, looking at my list here. Alabama belongs yep. to Beeve. What do we got on the Crimson side? Yeah, so uh, Alabama plus 3,000 to win the SEC, plus 1250 to Omaha, plus 7,500 to win it all. Um, 
man, the, the first look at Alabama, it's, it's just a veteran team. Uh, I mean, they returned seven of nine starters and t- uh, their top four rotation. Um, realistically, they should have one of the better rotations in the SEC. Uh, defense for this team has been the name of the game. Uh, I mean, in the major issue, especially going back to last season, was they just couldn't put any runs on the board, man. I mean, they were 201st in scoring at 5.8 runs per game. Um, I mean, their on-base percentage was 362 at 195th. Um, I mean, they weren't much higher than South Carolina in home runs with in only 62, so only four more. But, man, that, the pitching was pretty solid. Whip was 135 at 27th in the country. Defense-wise, fielding percentage was 981, um, good for 11th in the country. Uh, I mean, was realistically pretty stellar in the field. Um, now, Fortunately for them, you know, they're not losing a whole lot. So you got a good opportunity for growth. However, the one loss that they did had, you could have was arguably the heart and soul of the team and in Zane Denton, who's now gone to your, uh, uh, you know, border rival in uh, Tennessee. And I mean, out of those 62, Zane's uh, 13 home runs and 48 RBIs leading the team in both. They had 62 home runs and 310 RBIs. So, I mean, you're losing a massive amount of production with one guy. Uh, but some additions, uh, you know, we were talking about Tennessee Tech earlier and how how good baseball is at a lot of levels in the state of Tennessee that, that most people don't realize. Alabama went in and pulled two top guys from Tennessee Tech and Ed Johnson, um, who's realistically uh, replacing Zane Denton there at third base, uh, hit 367 and 14 home runs and 44 RBIs uh, uh, for Tennessee Tech last year. Um, the other guy from Tennessee Tech who's who's got a great shot at being DH this year was uh, Ryan Gardino. 16 home runs in only 47 games last year. He's also uh, uh, was the, the, the pick for probably best week overall last season. Guy hit seven home runs in one week and 17 at bats, 10 hits. I mean, just freaking destroying the baseball. Um then when you come into add, I mean, you like I was mentioning earlier, you talk about the rotation. They're adding in quite possibly one of the best freshman pitchers uh, in, in the league in Riley Quick, just an absolute mammoth on the mound. The guy's six foot six, 260 pounds, already pushed in the upper 90s with a fastball, um, great sinking fastball, tremendous slider, really good movement on the ball. Um, you know, the, this is a team where – some of your numbers, you know, if everything goes right and the offense picks up, do you sneak in, take a few, and and get lucky in the SEC tournament? Uh, you know, if that's the kind of route you're thinking, and we put this much emphasis on pitching, plus three thousand is probably fair odds uh, to put something on to win the SEC. Crossover for the schedule, um, they're playing um, Florida, uh, uh, Mizzou, Vandy. Um, so, I mean, what you got away at Florida, at Arkey, uh, at Mizzou, at LSU and at A&M. So, I mean, there's definitely some tough matchups there, but it's also not something that is insurmountable for a team like that. Um, I'd say realistically, probably tops for them is hosting a regional though. Bottom could, could potentially fall out and be another 500 team.
Shit, I was on mute. Um, shout out to you for bringing up uh, Arky. I know they love that. Um, but shout out to Alabama's social team for only releasing a graphic of the non-conference uh, schedule. So that's all, that's all we got for the YouTube portion. Um, and again, this is like the back half, so the really long shots. And we'll keep the analysis somewhat short for the final two. Um, all, all of us ranked both Kentucky 13 and Missouri 14. Uh, the honor of covering Kentucky goes to Beave as well. So uh, you want to jump? <laughs> you want to jump back into it with the Wildcats here? Yeah, man. Um, honestly, what can you really say about this team? Um, <laughs> Eastern Kentucky has better odds to win the SEC than Kentucky does. <laughs> Um, but no, re, really, though, Eastern Kentucky has better odds to make it to Omaha and win the national championship than Kentucky does. For a team in the SEC, that's absolutely terrible. I get that Kentucky lost everything. I mean, John Thrasher, Ryan Ritter, Chase Eastup, um, they brought in 12 total transfers for the 14th-ranked um, uh, transfer class. Uh, they had nine hitters with over a hundred bats and they are all gone and they lost their top three pitchers. So, I mean, there's, uh, I mean, realistically trying to cover all these players longer than what we already covered for all the teams. But um, most notably their, their Friday guy is probably going to be this kid, Logan Martin. He was the D three pitcher of the year, came out of Sewanee, the university of the South. Hey, Sewanee. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, Magdiel Cotto, um, you know, transfer from from South Carolina in previous year, um, uh, spent a year in the system last year. Big arm, just not a lot of control. <clears throat> and then Ryan Hagenow probably rounding out the other rotation, maybe in in fighting Austin Strickland there. Seth Chavez transfer from ETSU is probably going to end up being the closer. Uh, and then you just fill in a bunch of stuff from there. Devin Burks behind the plate is is going to be. <clears throat> One of the go-to guys for them, um, Hunter Gilliam over there at first base, transfer from Longwood. I was first team Big South uh, last year, great bat. Um, Grant Smith had a big season last year for Incarnate Word, who's going to be filling in for shortstop there. Uh, 16 home runs, 87 RBIs. Uh, James McCoy is one that's being touted as really stepping up from an in-house guy. Um, hit 302 in the Northwoods uh, League. Um, but then the two biggest names I, I would say that are probably being thrown around are Kendall Ewell, who's uh, going to be there in left field, transfer from <laughs> who Shut <I> up. <laughs> disrespectfully mentioned just a little bit ago from uh, Eastern Kentucky. Uh, but 14 home runs, uh, was first team, a son, um, hit 337. Um, and then Ryan Waldschmidt, uh, transfer from Charleston Southern, is going to be starting in center field, uh, probably their leadoff guy. Uh, just had an absolutely ridiculous season for Charleston Southern last year. 36 walks, only 26 strikeouts, 18 stolen bases, batting 310 and hitting nine home runs. Uh, there's a lot to be desired with the team. Um you know, it, it we'll see how it all shakes out. Bringing in that many transfer guys rarely spells success, though. Yeah, uh, for sure. It was a tough handicap with all of the transfers, and I found it funny that you, uh, like, threw some shade at Eastern Kentucky because, I mean, two of their better players actually transferred to Kentucky. Um, and then I'll round it out quickly with the uh, number 14th overall ranked team that we had was Missouri. 
Um, going to speed it up a little bit because, you know, uh, the biggest weakness for Missouri here is being in the Southeastern Conference. <laughs> they, they, they lose four bats from their starting lineup a year ago. Um, and their straight, their strikeout leading pitcher, Spencer Miles, Spencer Miles is also gone. Their biggest impact newcomer is going to be Chandler Murphy. He's a transfer from Arizona who posted a 9.73 ERA a year ago. Murphy is projected to be the Tigers' Friday night guy. So some bright spots for Mizzou came in the form of uh, they come in the form of Luke Mann, their third baseman, and Trevor Austin, an outfielder who's the 30th ranked MLB prospect for the 2023 draft by D1 Baseball. Mann is a power hitting lefty who blasted 17 home runs last season. Um, it's hard to place any expectations on a team that uh, all four of us ranked 14th in the SEC. The goal for them is like to make it known to the public. They're trying to make the NCAA tournament, but inside closed doors, head coach Steve Beezer's goal should be to finish at least with an over five, over 500 overall record again this year. They did last year and also finish above Kentucky in the SEC East. Um, that way you can give yourself a chance to play in Hoover this year. Reasonable goals, right? I, I would argue another reasonable goal should be to not allow any run rolls since they're allowing that. This year. Yeah, I really think that would be yeah. a, huge, a huge goal for a team like that or in, any team that, that may be at the back half of their conference is like, yeah. don't allow a run rule, man. Play nine innings. Play nine <laughs> innings. I think the biggest thing for Missouri is they really screwed up a couple of years ago letting Vitello out of there. Vitello is a Missouri grad. Yeah. Um, and also, Dave Van Horn and Tony Vitello recruit the Kansas City metro area a ton. There's a lot of talent right there in that little corridor, um, but it all heads south or southeast to Tennessee. Yeah. Um, you can go check those Arkansas and Tennessee rosters the last couple of years. You're going to see at least one or two kids on there from Kansas City, Kansas or Kansas City, Missouri. Yeah, shout out to you and your Chiefs as well, by the way. I appreciate that. Shout out to Tennessee beating Alabama tonight. Let's go. <laughs> Nice win for them. Did they cover? <laughs> uh, they did. One by eight. They did. Awesome. So we're not just a gambling podcast. We like to have a little bit of fun and then uh, give some analysis and maybe some other predictions. And who knows? Maybe there's odds offered on this later down the road. Um, we want to touch on some of the awards, and then we'll do a dark horse SEC team and an overrated SEC team. Um, so let's start with – SEC pitcher of the year. Let's have a little bit of fun. Try to project something. Um, um, I, I think we can go ahead and move on. We all know how this is going to shake out. That's Joe Ander. It's Joe. That's that's about the easiest thing that there's ever been. Put all your money on it. So interesting. Interestingly enough, I actually used that as an angle to go somewhere else. I think the competition for SEC pitcher of the year will mainly be found in the Tennessee's weekend rotation. Um, I added very few outside uh, outside names, outside of the volunteer staff into this conversation. I'm going down the board a little bit, though, and I'm going to project Drew Beam as my SEC Pitcher of the Year. I think that the pressure of the expectations on Dolander might play a little bit of a role, and we didn't see Beam play the full season last year or start every weekend last year as Tidwell jumped in in the second half. Um, 
he's going to be in the top three in the weekend. He's going to get a ton of innings this year, more than he did last year. As uh, Flem also detailed that it was a little bit of arm soreness in the back half, but um, he should rack up more innings, which means more strikeouts for him. And he had a 180 opponent's batting average last year. I think Drew Beam is a nice little out, outside shot to a nice pitcher of the year. Don't sleep on uh, Will Sanders either, man. That oh, yeah, for sure. That dude's a stud. For sure. So, I mean, there's definitely a lot of guys that could step in that role. I mean, you know, if we really wanted to dig into it, you could talk, you know, a Brandon Sprode or a Hurston Waldrip if Florida is able to actually do what I don't think they can. Um, I mean, I, Hurston would be a guy that I would really throw in there. Me, personally, I would probably pick over Brandon Sprode. But, um, and Beam, that's a, that's a great one. I mean, if you end up in a situation, say, where Tennessee's um, – you know, split the weekend so far going in Sunday and, and Bean gets a lot of win clinching series, then, I mean, I think that's going to weigh heavily in a lot of decisions. Uh, an outside shot at this would be uh, somebody on, on one of my teams that he would have to make a improvement. But Jaden Woods ha- has the ability and the talent yeah. to take that home. It's just – Depends what his up. role is. Is he going to be starter? Is he going to be – my Everything I saw was Friday night. Okay. Because he, he came in like a relief, kind of the pills. Yeah, yeah. He's Friday night, they've got... He wants to be the starter, but uh, let's be honest, if if you could get him in a role where it was like the Kevin Copps role, uh, that dude would absolutely crush it. I mean, if I'm Georgia, I want to have that dude in the game as much as humanly possible. And if he's in that role, I can get him in twice a weekend. George, sure. Georgia will roll out the tallest, possibly, or overall <laughs> biggest pitching pitchers. Uh, that you'll see. 100%. I agree with you there. Um, do you do you guys hear like a little bit of vibration or is it just There's me a little bit of something going? It's I, something. Yeah. I, I don't I don't know. Maybe for the rest of the pod, just put yourself on mute if you're not talking. I don't know what's going on there. But um, SEC Player of the Year, um, Beard, uh, you didn't really have too much input because it was mostly chalk from you three. But do you have a guy, uh, SEC Player of the Year, maybe from your team or uh, so- who's your favorite to win the award? So the easy answer is Dylan Cruz. So let's yeah. take him out. Um, uh-huh. a, a couple of his teammates, I think, could a Trey Morgan, a Tommy White. I think Tommy White's easy to say, and that, but he's going into an even better lineup. And he set the record last year for a freshman NCAA record. He's going to have guys around him that can hit. He could even do more damage this year. So there's a possibility there. I think his defense might hinder that. A, a touch might but that's why i think that's why i give it to trey morgan because if you're not going to go dylan cruz give me trey morgan give me tommy white of course that's easy with with lsu but you could go florida white langford as well I was right, Flem, you were shaking your head there what's up here? i was gonna say give me white give me white langford he's not gonna have the competition around him that's fair he's gonna he's gonna collect more stats yeah i'll buy it too because i mean if florida is somewhat in contention the, the lineup is the reason that it wouldn't be, and Lankford is the easy guy to point to in the offense of why it could be. Uh, don't sleep on Jacob Gonzalez. Uh, Maui Ahuna stepping into a new role with Tennessee. And, I mean, I know he's utility and everything like that, but, man, Paul Skeens, he's, he's going to mean uh, – arguably he probably means more to that team than anybody else in the SEC. If you wanna if you wanna pose it this way, he's like, um, how much how much hitting is he gonna do, Beard? That that's a that's a million dollar question because 
where are you gonna hit him? He might hit for himself as a pitcher, which would be interesting to see. Um, but it's gonna be when he's not pitching. Who are you going to supplement him for? Is he going to be your DH? Because is Tommy White going to play third base all the time? Is I I, I don't is Gavin yeah. going to show up? Is Cade below? So there's it's almost an embarrassment, or it's one of those things. It's like if you're Jay Johnson, it's like this is tough, especially yeah. if they all end up hitting. It is, but let's be honest. A bat like that, you can't afford to not have in the lineup. You find somebody else to replace. That's not a bat that you keep out. Agree. Yeah. Agree. So. That, that could up his value here in the SC player of the year. Um, but it's something that, like, I don't know how much how many at-bats he's going to get. And I'm going to a guy that Beard mentioned. And it's – I mean, last year's listeners know where I'm going with this prediction. I absolutely geeked over Tommy the Tank Engine White last year. I loved him not only because of all the tanks that he hit, but I loved his approach at the plate. He wasn't afraid to take the ball the other way. And so many homers and doubles in that right center gap. Um, absolutely loved it. And I think he's going to like the box. Yes, the SEC has better pitching but uh, than the ACC. But I don't have any questions with Tommy White being able to adjust and properly protect Dylan Cruz in this LSU batting lineup. So like uh, Beard said, there's going to be a ton of opportunities for him. Let's jump into our dark horse SEC team. Uh, anybody want to take the lead on this one? I was going to say Auburn or Georgia um, only because I, I think Butch Thompson is a heck of a coach. I think he is a psycho to look at, and I don't want to be in a room with him and have a conversation, but I think the dude's a heck of a coach. So so give me so give me Auburn. I'll take Auburn over Georgia because Georgia's pitching is just – I got to go Bama. I mean, top four starting rotation all back, and then you add in a, a closer at like – Riley Quick, who's expected to do that much. You're not stressing out your freshmen because you have guys that are just built different there at pitching already. It's just whether or not the offense can catch up, and it's tough to be any worse in offense than what they already were. So, Yeah, I went Auburn for mainly the same reasons that Beer did. Flem, did you go somewhere else? I was going to go with Auburn, only because last year I thought they were going to be terrible um, in our preseason, kind of, uh, and <laughs> they made it to Omaha, so um, – whatever i'm just gonna ride that wave until it's done all right and then we're gonna jump into the overrated section of the uh, podcast where i think this one's gonna be a little bit fun um it's first, it, <laughs> phlegm's going lsu <laughs> phlegm you want to you want to have the floor or are you just no, it out there that that's a joke the lsu is not overrated. Right <laughs> yeah properly rated yeah um, I mean, I, I can lead off here. I was bullishly out on this team last year, and I seem like the only one in the world that is pulling the plug on him again this year, and it's Texas A&M, guys. Uh, Jim Sloshnagel, he's a hell of a coach, and the lineup might be one of the top three in the country maybe. They return a lot. They only lose two starters from last year. But I bet on pitching and defense, and that's what I value most in the game of baseball, and Texas A&M has none of it. Uh, Nathan Detmer is the only exception, really, and he had a 496 ERA a year ago. Uh, our composite rankings in the coaches poll have the Aggies second in the SEC West, and I think that's a little bit of an overreaction from last year's unexpected success and favorable NCAA tournament draw. I've got AM fourth in the West and sixth in the SEC. Beard, anything else? I, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I know that we have them second, and I do think 
they're a good. I think they have the potential to be the good team, but I do think they are slightly overrated for the SEC. Beard or Flem, it's you guys that are causing the feedback. You better fix your shit for the next podcast. I think it's Flem, and we'll, we'll and might be he's a leaning the iPad up against something because uh, Beard's muted right now. But we'll fix it in the post pod. Um, Flem, do you have an overrated team in the SEC though? It's Arkansas. You want to elaborate on it at all, or just throw it out there, Tennessee? I'm just, I'm just gonna throw it out there. I'm gonna let the first three games they play do, do the talking. All I need to. All right, yeah, they're they're in a tough tournament over there. Yep. Uh, Beef, how about you? I'm probably going a And M. Um, it, it's the pitching that worries me more than anything. I mean, I think there's a few that fit that bill, but a And M was one that I had starting in. I would have liked to have picked something else just to be able to work. Uh, have a little more contradiction, but yeah. So, I mean, that was a fun little portion. Didn't take much time. Unlike the rest of the podcast. We want to finish with uh, anything that we are uh, officially going to bet on. So like we'll call this portion, our best bets. So something, uh, any of us getting down on an SEC outright price to win the SEC tournament, or are we looking into an Omaha eight appearance or a national championship? prices with any of these teams guys uh start with uh beer yeah i mean honestly no i don't see enough value with some of the lines for early season right now that i think it's all that worthwhile um i think if you want to start to get into betting on some conference champions or something like that but as far as making it to omaha like it's so difficult to make it to Omaha and for most of these to be you know like Tennessee plus 125 and some of these others like Stanford's plus 150 Ole Miss is plus 400 Arkansas plus 250 and I mean where's the value in putting money out for four or five months to get that low odds back I mean we're not mattress Mac that's throwing down millions of dollars you know what I mean so for me, college baseball is all about the matchups, what's happening based on what injuries you have going on there, arms starting to get tired in the middle of the season, what's the weather like, where are they playing. I'm way more interested in digging into the individual matchups as we go throughout the season. Yeah, well well said, Beeve. And I think another one is like college baseball is such a niche market. Um, and a lot of people that are very interested in baseball and willing to gamble on it are located in the southeast region of the country. So this is where obviously the market's going to be the most tight. There might not be a ton of spots here in the preseason that you're willing to get down on. Beard, anything that you have? I was going to say a bit of advice if you're if you're trying to decide on a team that you're not sure it, on paper if they're talented enough to get there, take a look at the coach's track record. If a guy can get to the tournament, that means that he can figure out a way towards the end to get them hot and look no further than Ole Miss last year. So so look at a coach. That's an, it's, a, it's a sport that is very important that the coach means a lot and can help you make that decision. Yeah, but a great coach in Bianco, you're still talking one out of 20. So you know what I mean? It's, no I, I don't no even necessarily know about that because there's not a soul that would have said Mississippi State or Ole Miss the last two years. So um, I think, honestly, when it comes to that stuff, it goes – out the window, but in any sport, I've never been that big of a fan of, of betting for the championship at the beginning of the season. Anyway, I've never just seen that great of odds, unless you just want to take a crazy long shot and put 
a dollar on Eastern Kentucky. You know what I mean? <laughs> Very true, Beav, and that might stay with us for the rest of the year. Eastern Kentucky, I love it. Uh, Flem, anything that you're on in the preseason here? I think Stanford's a lock for Omaha. We're talking SEC, though, Flem. Okay, we're talking <laughs> SEC. Give me Dylan. <laughs> give me give, give me Dylan Cruz's uh, gold spikes and SEC conference realignment. There you go. Stanford's coming to the SEC. I thought okay. I thought we were just talking betting in general. No, I think I think Doe Lander is pitcher of the year in the SEC is way more of a lock than Dylan Cruz for player of the year. Agree. Yeah. I disagree True. only because of how deep the conference is in pitching. Yeah. Um, it wouldn't be a show without giving out one, at least at the end of the episode. And I'm going to do that. Um, I only have one and it's South Carolina to appear in Omaha. It's plus 1250 right now. And I, when I look at futures in the preseason, I look at stuff that's um, not going to get any better than what it is right now, in my opinion. And I think that's exactly what you have with the Gamecocks, who have a top three weekend rotation in the SEC. And I've said this before on this podcast. I'll say it again. Stud pitching is going to beat stud hitting nine times out of ten, in my opinion, with a one through four starting rotation of Will Sanders, Noah Hall, Eli Jerzenbeck, and Jack Mahoney, plus Matthew Becker. We saw it last year with old Mrs. Arms. They – were really good down the stretch, the final stretch of the season, and their bullpen was great. Uh, you had Dylan DeLucia and Hunter Elliott who flew under the national radar for most of the year. And I just love the foundation of the South Carolina team with the pitching staff, and it ends with their closer, Kate Austin. All the Cox need is some hot sticks at the right time during the season for, I mean, some of these transfers they got. They got starting. They're bringing in Gavin Cassis, who's the brother of Red Sox prospect Tristan. Uh, Gavin came from Vandy. Um, Caleb Denny from Oral Roberts. Jacob Compton from Memphis, and Will McGillis from Southern Miss to go along with the Cox top returners and uh, Braylon uh, Wemmer and Michael Braswell on the left side of the infield. I think this will be the best price you get South Carolina all year. Uh, You can get South Carolina to appear in Omaha and I recommend you to do it right now at plus 1250. So um, with that, that concludes the SEC preview podcast. We'll have another one on just a national preview. That should be a little bit quicker. We're just going to go over some of our best bets, some takes and our Omaha eights. Um, And then further on in the week, whether it's Thursday night or maybe even Friday, we'll have a show uh, live show talking about Friday's games where you can comment asking about games and angles and uh, whatnot. Talk about all the prices that are available for Friday's games. Uh, thank you all for tuning in. Um, this is the college baseball experience and you're living a better experience. Uh, talk to you all later next time. Uh, peace out.